2: it has a nice palindromic symmetry to that episode number that is very satisfying to my brain. Um, I'm going to be performing at uh, Comedy on State in Madison, Wisconsin at the end of April, so uh, check out info for that. Mike Furman and April Richards are going to be there with me. And then in May, I'm going to be doing Red Nose Day on uh, on NBC, so I'm very excited about that as well. Those are my things that I'm promoting, Katie. Oh, and also, uh, Will Wheaton and I made gift gif shirts. Oh, nice. If you go to id10t.com. <laughs> Uh, it does help to support this podcast. Um, it says on the front, it's sort of an athletic shirt. It says it's pronounced, and it says G I F. And you can buy either hard G or soft G on the back, whichever team uh... that you were. The last time I checked, you know, Will and I had like a two hour Facebook Live uh, kind of debate mm-hmm. the other day. And soft G started out strong, but then team hard G came in hard.
0: I think I say GIF.
2: Yeah, me too, because yeah. that's the right way to say it, yeah. in my I think, opinion. I think
0: I've said it, like, both ways, Well, though. the
2: other way is wrong, but you can say <laughs> it, you know, whatever. You can say whatever however you want. But uh, now in t-shirt form, you can really make a stand if you go to ID10T.com. And we also have official Talking Dead mugs there, some pins, and some other Walking Dead t-shirt stuff there. So uh, go there, check it out, support the podcast. And uh, Katie, what you got on the corkboard?
0: Rob Rudolph writes, the theater I manage, the Broad Stage in Santa Monica, is hosting an event called Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me on Friday, April 27th <laughs> at 8 p.m. It's a star-studded event to raise awareness and support for shelter animals featuring Lily Tomlin, June Diane Raphael, Whitney Cummings, Casey Wilson, Craig Ferguson, and Paul Shear is hosting it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I think it's something ID10T listeners would love. You can find more info and buy tickets at bit.ly, that's L-Y, slash Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me. And then Will writes... Uh, I wanted to give a shout-out for my buddy Wes's commission miniature painting studio, Stiff Neck Studio. Wes just finished his MBA, is an active-duty major in the Army, and paints gorgeous minis on the side. His studio is mostly veterans and active-duty military. They're really cool guys that do great work painting anything from war games to RPG minis, and they've won multiple painting awards. They're going to be leading painting tutorials at Nova Open in Washington, D.C., August 30th to September 2nd. The registration is happening now, so... uh, Go Google that and find info on how to register. The fees only cover the cost of supplies and the mini you will paint. Or you can check out their stuff on Instagram and Facebook at Stiffneck Studio or on stiffneckstudio.com.
2: Fantastic. Uh, this episode is my buddy Joe Manganello, who, if you remember um, one of the last times he was on the podcast, we came up with a very good Macho Man Randy Savage idea for a movie. Yep. Savage, <laughs> uh, he does a phenomenal Macho Man. Voice, but uh, but I love Joe. Joe is uh Joe is one of those guys who is um, he basically is a, a, a tiny nerd in a <laughs> in a chiseled titan's body, um, but he's a big D yeah. and D guy, and also uh, he and I have sobriety in common, and so um, he's just a he's just a solid dude, and he does a lot. He's doing a lot of great stuff. He's uh, going to be Deathstroke. Uh, he's in the movie Rampage right now, which is uh, with the Rock. That is out April 13th, and it's uh, based on the video game, which I have down in our basement. I have, well, I mean, I have a, you know, I I, I basically have um, one of those multi-cades that has like a thousand games on there, and Rampage is on there. So I I took a screen cap of of, (laughs) Rampage of the Rampage game. And I sent to him like, your movie looks great. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, but I love Joe and he was a, he's always a phenomenal guest and, um, and just a super nice guy. So Joe Manganello, look him up. Whatever. If he writes a book, buy it. If he's appearing somewhere, go there. If you have a chance to play D and D with him, do it. Um, This episode brought to you by Mattress Firm. So this is a question for all the, hey, I'm going to listen to a podcast to help me fall asleep people. Uh, If you're struggling to get some sleep, then you are in luck because here's how you can zonk out more easily. Mattress Firm, America's neighborhood mattress store lets you budget stretch further when you're looking for ways to improve your sleep, which I would imagine all of us are. If you have a very inactive brain that's difficult to turn off, then maybe it's your mattress. Um, they're more than just mattress experts. They have a whole package that's going to help you transform your mattress into a bed, from adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor. They have you covered both literally and figuratively. So go to mattressfirm.com, see what deals are happening right now. Uh, they even give you a 120-night sleep trial to ensure... a Perfect sleep, and 120-night low-price guarantee, so you know you paid the perfect price. Again, go to mattressfirm.com, learn how you're sleeping, could be monumentally improved, and if you're still awake, um, maybe we should uh, restart the podcast now? <laughs> we'll just start it over, so you can hear that again? This episode also brought to you by Buffalo Wild Wings, former At Midnight sponsor, oh. Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, there's a new boss in town, Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, and this boss is a bacon boss, it's the Bacon Boss Burger featuring bacon three different ways and a blanket of white cheese sauce. And there are other new favorites like the Smothered cheesesteak Quesadilla, Sweet Chili Shrimp, Alaska Cod Classic. Hurry in today. Try them uh, before they're gone at Buffalo Wild Wings. Available for a limited time while supplies last. Thank you to Mattress Firm and Buffalo Wild Wings for sponsoring this episode of the ID10T Podcast number 949. The Joe Manganello three-peat. Katie, roll the thing. And is obsessed with the Golden Girls? He is. How old is he? He is
1: 26.
2: This pleases me greatly to hear that <laughs> you, you are not alone. To hear that the young generation is super into the Golden Girls because it is fantastic. <laughs> this came up because we are already recording. This came up because my How wife got me um, it's called Desert Rose. It is a Golden Girls themed jalapeno sauce. And it has uh, Rose Nyland, a.k.a. Betty White, on the
1: label. And, and then I guess I, I blew it. So M- Manolo's Christmas present is going to be this hot sauce. And I, I, I said that when I walked in the room, so I just, I just totally blew his Christmas present.
2: <laughs> Manolo, you're getting... He's not going to listen to this podcast. He's too busy yeah. watching The Golden Girls. He doesn't sure. give a shit about yeah, what's... He's to... seen them all. Doesn't give a shit about what two older nerds are talking about. <laughs>
1: that's probably very true.
2: Is he into all of the stuff that uh, – just, so pe- just so people get a refresher course, Joe has been on the podcast three times, I think, and uh, and is –
1: And Talking Dead. And
2: Talking and Dead. And the
1: old BBC show. And the BBC which show. Which I won. I won the, the prize at the end. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I won. God damn it. And he's wearing a D&D shirt right. That now. I that I that I actually this is available on my website. <gasps> so I actually I I do D&D merch now. And this is um, I got a guy this graffiti artist named Urban Aztec. He's this cool dude named Jesse. Uh, he made the uh, he made like a fiery gold dragon ampersand. We're trying to reimagine some of the D&D oh
2: my God. stuff
1: and make cool stuff to wear. So anyway, yeah, this is this is my shirt. I would have I'll bring I'll get you one. Please. Get I'm you one. now you're you're probably larger than a size small, which is my t-shirt size, which means more shirts for you. <laughs>
2: It was funny. I wish people could see. My, our, our, we're recording at my house. Our house was built in 1928. And in the 20s, people were not uh, tall. And so Joe's, had, like, down some stairways, just had to crouch <laughs> down. That must be the bane of your existence.
1: No, I like it. You I like being Project? giant. Yeah, right. it's, like, it's fun. It's like um, you know, any sort of um, uh, ensemble. I'm like the giant barbarian I guess that's guy. good
2: because Jonah Ray is like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, mm-hmm. and he said he always felt self-conscious because he always felt like – and he kind of shrugs his shoulders because he always feels like he has to yeah. crouch
1: down. He doesn't want to appear big we, and scary. We, 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 we all do that. You talls like we, to do we that. All, us talls. Um, uh, but when I got to drama school, I, I had that hunch. I had the tall guy apologetic hunch. And <laughs> to, to remedy that during freshman year at drama school – At at Carnegie Mellon, they they made us go to the zoo, and everyone got to pick an animal, and then you were going to embody that animal, like physically make the sounds, the behaviors Mm -hmm. for up to three and a half hours a day for seven weeks. Jesus Christ. Now, it seems absurd. Now, the other side of it was, and this is the boohoo. I'm going to play the victim here for a second, but uh, everyone else got to pick their animal. They gave me mine. It was. I was a penguin. They gave oh, me a penguin. that's great because they have great posture. Great posture. So it straightened me up. And after that, it was like I'm going to take up as much space on stage as I possibly can. Like I'm never going to apologize. You do have amazing again. posture, by the way. Thanks. Chris. It's really wow, that's, enviable uh, posture. That's a really great compliment.
2: Well, as 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 a lifelong shrugger and someone who has fought the last <laughs> several years to roll my shoulders back, yeah. I, I always notice people's posture and especially, you know, as you start to get older, it's not always that posture gets better. So it's yeah. a real it's it's a real treat when you see someone who actually has Good
1: posture. Might I suggest behaving like a penguin for the next seven
2: years? <laughs> quack, 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 quack. <laughs> Batman and Robin. <laughs> that That's not the penguin I should... Not the Burgess That's Meredith Burgess Meredith. Meredith. That'll yeah.
1: always be my penguin. He's... <laughs> Along with Cesar Romero with his whited-out mustache. Yes yes yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yes,
2: yes, 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 yes. How is the D&D going? Are you... Do you have a game currently? Are you playing right now? Do you want to play on Sunday? I can't play Sunday because I have Talking Dead. Ah,
1: okay, my zombie show. But in a few weeks, I can come play on Sundays. When can you play? I'm, I'm actually getting ready to start DMing a Tyranny of Dragons campaign. Jesus! If you want to jump in, level one, like we're we're gonna rock. There and you go. like DMing? I I do. I do enjoy. I DMing. Never liked it. I DM'd as a kid. That's that was my thing. I just I kind of. Came came out of the D and D womb, if you will, DMing, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, and so now I've, uh, I, I, but I but I got back into it after like a twenty year hiatus as a player, okay. Because I got to do you know Force Gray, yes, and I got to test out all the new modules, and I got to do critical role, yep, and uh, and all these other fun nerd poker, and uh, but but it, it, I think all roads were leading me back to to DMing. Did you ever play with Vin Diesel because he's a big D? D no, guy too. I, and where does he play? I've sent messages to him through <laughs> through the proper channels. Like you know, we shared the same stylist. Like he had a stylist for like his Fast and the Furious camp, you know, press campaign, and right. then and then I had the same stylist for I don't know whatever my last movie was, and um, and I and I was like, oh, you work with Vin? I'm like. Can you just pass a message for me? Can you tell <laughs> Vin that uh, I'm ready? I'm ready to play D and D with him anytime. We need to set up a Tinder, but yeah. for D and
2: D, we'll call it like Beholder. Like, and then
1: you can swipe through. And swipe left D&D. on yes. Vin. You could you swipe get, right on him, right? Swipe, is, I don't know. I don't I've never know, been I've on never Tinder. Man. I just
2: assume yeah. right is the. Ex- Kate, do you have any idea? Is right the acceptance and left the rejection? I just know that traditionally left is the reject. You know. Oh well, then whatever. Whatever
1: it means, whatever the good one, whatever is. the good one is, you want yeah. to
2: swipe. You probably want to swipe right on on Vin on Beholder with Fine. no e at the end. Beholder.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. So I don't know who plays with him. Where he play? I don't. know. I mean, this is like in search of. Remember that show with? Of Leonard course Nameway? I
2: remember. They never found anything. No. I'm, no one knows if the Loch Ness monster really exists.
1: Why did we just spend an hour watching this then? Yeah. Um, and and uh, in, and in, 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 and so I, I, I've been in search of of Vin Diesel.
2: I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna bug James Gunn about it James... James has played in my house. Well, then James will have a line to
1: Vin, but James has never played with Vin. Vin, either. our Groot. So I don't know. I keep hearing this Vin, this this Vin D and D thing, and I I can't get to him. So if anyone's listening, we're gonna find. No, don't go bother Vin Diesel. But <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're gonna listen. If you see Vin Diesel in public, just tell him that Hardwick and Manganello are trying to track him down to jump in on a D and D game. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're 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 ready to go. Not, it's but ball- but not this Sunday. Like no, in in like two Sundays. In a couple of Sundays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I yeah. I think I'm I'm working on Sundays through for a bit but uh but i'll be able to hop in in the daytime Do you play in
1: the daytime or at night um it's it's la so you know like the days of going till two in the morning like everybody's gonna get up so (laughs) if we gotta start a little bit earlier so i like usually if we could start about five five's good five 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 o'clock is is five you know that way if we if we really want to go to midnight we can but five to five to eleven to just to really complete the experience uh,
2: I feel like your wife needs to come in and pretend to be our moms and to bring sodas and be like, "You guys don't stay up too
1: late, okay?" Um, Chris, yeah. that's exactly what happened. <laughs> you just described when whenever there's a D and D game going on, it's how many people are coming over? What time are they coming? Okay, we have to set up the coffee st- You know, the <laughs> coffee table. There's like there's like hors d'oeuvres. It's I mean, so this past week I had um, Luke Gygax, Gary Gygax's oh, wow. son. Uh, came over to d m an unpublished adventure of his father 's that he found in like a trunk somewhere
2: what the fuck
1: yeah that 's insane it was crazy God was it how was it? It was insane God. we played we played original d and d we rolled three d six for all the ability scores all the way down. whatever you roll is what you get you know you roll a three, you get a three that 's it tough, and you right. roll down, you pick your class um you kind of like kind of uh, haggle with the DM for magic items and then you're off. And we we just did this this unpublished dungeon crawl that his father left behind in some chest that Luke found, studied and then came the DM at my house, which is nuts. And so it was like I was kind of freaking out. It was like um you know, it was like Frank Sinatra getting ready for JFK to come visit him. Right. You know, it was like, okay, we you know, we've got to get ready. Do I have my 20 sided die over here? <laughs> Where's my
2: bag of holding?
1: I'll punch you in the fucking mouth. <laughs> roll a one in my group. Dino, your charisma's <laughs> off the charts. <laughs> but we already knew that. <laughs> Sammy's playing a cleric. Sammy got a magic that.
2: eye over here.
1: <laughs> the eye of Vecna. <laughs> <laughs> Rad Pack D anD D has to be a sketch somewhere. On, uh, somewhere. We yeah, had, uh, we I mean, come on. This. Yeah, um, and so uh, so he came over, and I had always kind of, I'd always called my basement, which which you've seen. I've seen your basement. You've it's seen,
2: incredible. The, which, it's, which which is grown by leaps and bounds. One side of your basement so. is this insane gym, and the other side is this insane <laughs> dungeon. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: the two of those things together <laughs> with like funny. dragon heads mounted yes, on the wall. And yeah, so I have a new for my birthday. My wife. Um, she got in touch through Wizards of the Coast. She got in touch with Jeff Easley, who used to paint all of the players manuals, oh all my the players handbook and the DMs guy back like in the 80s when we were growing up, Ugh. like all those covers that those are Jeff Easley's and he painted a lot of the Dragonlance art. Anyway, she got Wizards a Connector to Jeff Easley and commissioned him to paint my character, an oil painting <laughs> of my character shit. by Jeff Easley. Oh my God! So that's hanging. That's insane. It's, dude. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's it's crazy to be that kid now. Me with you know with. But did your wife get you some Golden Girls
2: Desert Rose Jalapeno Sauce? I mean, the painting sounds great, Joe. But is it delicious on a taco? Is my question. We, we do we have we, let's have let's order some tacos <laughs> and find do, out.
1: Let's do some jalapeno <laughs> shots. Some <laughs> uh, uh, uh in our Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, do collectible you want, do you want
2: Darth Vader or do you want Lando? Oh
1: are you kidding? I want well, uh Lando's cool.
2: Lando's great.
1: But yeah. I always wanted to be Vader. Alright, here you go.
2: Here's right. some I'll pour some water in Darth here. Thanks. You're very welcome. Uh Leave it to me. I will deal with it myself. Uh, (laughs) We have some coasters. Yeah, we got a little coasters here. what is this,
1: like an undead unicorn?
2: Yeah, these are just some, you know, random random fun nerd art things.
1: Um, I mean, it is fun to be
2: the um, grown-up man-children that we are and essentially doing everything we can to make the 13-year-old versions of ourselves
1: happy. Well, that was the thing. I was having a, actually a conversation once with, with Donald Glover, and we were talking speaking about— Speaking of Lando. Speaking of Lando, yeah, exactly. Uh, which is so <laughs> very <laughs> apropos, <laughs> But uh, we were having this conversation, and it's like, you know, I was— we're talking about, I don't know, whatever, with all the toys that we were into when we were kids— And when you were a kid, your parents would take you to Toys R Us, Mm -hmm. God rest their soul. Yes, R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, Where the backwards are.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're quick. You're quick. Thank
1: you. Um, But they'd take you and they were like, okay, you get one thing. You get one toy. And you'd be like, oh, how about this giant thing? No, you get like one regular size. Right. Like one. That's it. I was talking to Donald. and we're like, and Donald was like, no, nah, man, like, now, like, I'm an adult. Like, I've got all the money. <laughs> There's no one toy anymore. <laughs> I can buy everything, mm-hmm. which is what happens to me. I go online, I go into some crazy rabbit hole, and lo and behold, I've found an original, like, LJN Toys Tiamat from the early 80s. syndrome. Right. And now it's being mailed to my house. <sighs> And then the guy's like, oh, hey, man, I'm a big fan of True Blood or Deathstroke or whatever. And I threw in like a little war duke Mm -hmm. on the side. So it's amazing like how you just wind up collecting everything I wanted as a kid or even had as a kid I have now. Yep. And my wife is stoked. (laughs) By stoked, I mean... The opposite of the
2: <laughs> Well, we were talking about this before because I said, you know, Lydia and I both like the same stuff. And so some of our struggle is like we can't go too crazy because, you know, we don't, we, we don't want to run. We can't run out of room for the, for the toys. I have checks and balances you in my house. You have checks and balances. You yeah. have no checks and balances whatsoever. <laughs> and your, your check and balances is uh, essentially getting yelled at in Spanish. Uh, for for buying another dragon Yeah, yeah but Lydia's Lydia's peeking in what
0: (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay great I don't think she
2: means literal shit by the way that'd would be weird would she hang out with my wife
1: yes of course she would Can we double date <laughs> and try to get my wife on board no my, no, wife, then your wife's my gonna, wife is buying me Jeff Easley paintings
2: but like, then your wife's going to be like I think those nerds are a bad influence on you Joe <laughs> I don't totally, want you to hang out with them anymore it's like the
1: satanic panic of the 80s yes yes but, yes yeah, the exactly equivalent right. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's,
2: <laughs> well what is she into like is, is there a like Shopping and decorating, and like, I just hear the helicopter that flew. You got the
1: Ferrari out there. We could do this.
2: Oh, what? No, hey, okay, yeah. We can film this. I guess we, get
1: we could TC in the helicopter we or the Magnum. We could do the yeah. Magnum out there. Dude, we could totally do this. Did we? John
2: Hillerman just died, like died not that long ago, though, I think. Higgins. Higgins, yeah. yeah. yeah Higgins. Who probably was Robin Masters. Maybe we've talked about that before. Yeah. <laughs> I think we have gotten. I think we, we have gotten down gotten that rabbit I think hole. Magnum
1: may. Have, I think weirdly we've talked about Magnum before when you've come on. The podcast. We can. I I really like somewhere. I really wanted to make a, a Michael Bay, like me Magnum, Michael Bay, Hawaii, Cars, Bikinis. It let's would go. Be, it
2: would be incredible. Listen it, to to put to put like a big budget. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop style Yes uh, Action comedy together With Magnum Then the question is How kitschy is it Or do you do it like you Do Do you do it like How they did um, Like how serious Do the characters take it In yeah. performance Yeah I think we could totally Take it seriously Is it set in the 80s Or is it
1: like Is it is it like Refreshed For the 2000s or I do think you it's do- modern day Like for example Like and I know Like well, I guess Fletch is sort of... Fletch is its own animal. Fletch was just Chevy Chase at that time, yeah. kind of running wild. But, like, he was taking it pretty seriously. Like, to an extent. Like, the, you know? Like, yeah. I guess it was goofy, but... So, I, I guess tonally... No, tonally, I think it's serious. I just think that, like, when you have the voiceover, like the noir voiceover, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's Thomas Magnum... Yep. I think it's... Uh, I think that's fun. But I think... Now...
2: The only thing that concerns me is that you might be too... Like, Magnum was in okay shape, mm-hmm. but he wasn't in like... Come mars- on, Tom Selleck was like the heartthrob of the 80s. He was a heartthrob, but he was more of a hairy-chested guy than like a six-pack guy, right? Well, I... I and well, he got his ass kicked a lot. Okay, so you're... You're, <laughs> <laughs> you're
1: trying to talk me out of this.
2: No, I'm just saying, like, you could you could bring a new Magnum... Because we've already... We're, we've already yep. have on the table you as uh, as Savage... Oh, uh, when are we? Yeah, is Macho is, man. Has Matt Mira written the the treatment yet? No, he's 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 too busy going through IVF. But 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 eventually,
1: maybe <laughs> <laughs> he is. Does the public know this? <laughs> they do. He's okay, done. Right, his wife fine. have a
2: whole podcast about fine. it. Fine.
1: Okay. Fine. Yeah, yes. they
2: they they have a whole podcast about uh, <laughs> about their IVF. It's called Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure, and they do they've literally cataloged the entire like year and a half long. Where process. have I been? I don't know. I don't know. But it's uh, but okay, just a little well plug then- for.
1: That podcast, but he uh, in the voice of Jeremy Piven and singles, uh, <laughs> Matt Mira. But you he, may be busy, you may be busy. <laughs> You're the only guy I knew that could mix Elvis Costello with Public Enemy beats, 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 beats. What's so funny about beats, 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 beats.
2: Yep, that was uh, that that was that was old school. That was that was uh, yeah. Jeremy Piven classic, uh, as as we as we say. Yeah, but yeah. I, you know what? I I do think you could be a convincing Magnum, especially because I can already see that you could grow a fierce stash up there if you wanted oh, to. Oh yeah,
1: I've got to keep this thing under daily control.
2: <laughs> I feel like you shave. And then like a half a second later, you, you, I think you have like a
1: 9.30 a.m. shadow. Well, the, the classic – we're going to get into the facial hairs. Yes. Uh, we, when I shot Spider-Man back, way back in 2001. Flash Thompson. Flash Thompson. Uh, I was 20 – I had just turned 24 and Toby was – Toby and James Franco were about that same age. I think the only one that, and one of the guys who played like Flash's is Crony, number one. He was like thirty, and uh, and our field trip, our teacher who was the, you know on the field trip when we go to the planet you know the whatever the the facility where he gets right. bit by the spider, um, that guy was like twenty eight. So like one of the high school kids is older than our, our our TA or our proctor or teacher or whatever. And um, and they would come out three times a day to me and James and Toby and like with with straight razors. And we like it's time to shave again. That's so funny! So three times a day we're like shaving to keep so there's no five o'clock shadow.
2: That's really funny. Yeah, that was not, that's a little bit of nine hundred two one zero syndrome there. <laughs>
1: Straight up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were like the nine hundred two version. Which is what happens. It's like when you get cast in a high school movie: is it young or is it old? You right. know, like which way are you going?
2: Well, because it's it's just it's it's easier. To cast people who are not under 18, because you don't have to, like, there's a certain amount of schooling and a certain amount. Yeah, of-
1: yeah. But the trick of that is, like, if you cast somebody of that age, then parents are on set, you've got, like, you have to do tutoring, yep. then there's, like, weird hour requirements, and also sometimes you just don't get the maturity. I mean, right. We, Kirsten Dunst, like what she was, she nominated for an Oscar at like eleven. For, oh yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. she's seasoned; she knows what she's doing. Right. But for the rest of us, it's like I think a little bit older is usually a, a little bit better. Okay, so so mm. you've got
2: the facial hair thing covered. Yeah, Magnum. So what is the what is the, what is in your mind? What do you think the Magnum movie is? Is it is it? It, does it just sort of pick up where the is it just like within the life of the series? Is just, just another magnum tale, or has he retired?
1: Or like, what's the well, I think it's like well, the story was that he was in the original magnum. I don't know if people know this, but he was a Navy SEAL because like the Navy SEALs came about, the frogmen came right. about like in Vietnam, right? So he was like a guy that came home from Vietnam, what didn't really qualify for jobs you know like whatever you know it's like you're going to be a cop you're going to be a security guard what are you going to do wound up getting this gig working for basically like what we would think of as the equivalent of of like a stephen king right or like the most popular author in the world who lived in hawaii on this huge estate and he worked security for this guy but then because he was there and he was a guy who could handle himself people on the island then found out oh if you've got trouble You go to that guy. (laughs) And so he wound up getting all these kind of side quests from his, you know, boring everyday job of guarding Higgins. Now. And driving his Ferraris around, which was a cool perk. Maybe. Hmm. I wonder. And he had some buddies from the service. So like the buddies he fought overseas with. The helicopter guy. Yeah. And then the other dude who owned a bar. So you got a dude with a bar, a dude with a helicopter. You got the Ferraris, like the fleet of Ferraris. (laughs) Like, let's go. Like, well, we're going to clean this place up. I think... Hawaii. Now, do you...
2: Now, I wonder, are, are you Thomas Magnum, or do you think Magnum is a designation? Like, is it like a Dread Pirate Roberts thing where Tom, oh. Tom Selleck brings you in to be, the, like, to be Magnum, or do you think you're just Magnum?
1: Well, it only works if his last name is Magnum, right? It's Thomas Magnum.
2: But we still don't even know that that was his actual real name. Maybe it wasn't right? his actual... I mean, maybe it was, but I don't know. Maybe I mean, maybe we do know, so it's actually. Like, it's
1: like some dude who worked overseas. He worked for the government. He was like a really, you know, some guy maybe in like the Navy's Command, uh, you know, Naval Special Warfare Development Group. And he gets out, maybe works in the private sector, but he's like this dude who like... You know, doesn't want to carry the regular Sig Sauer, so he's got this 357 Magnum that he's always got with him, and that was. And people know him as like it's, you're it's the Magnum. A, it's a dude. little you're too Mag- coincidental up, that magnum? his last
2: name would be the the gun <laughs> that he carries Just around. Just come with
1: me on my journey. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> maybe that was it. It was like, oh, what's up? It's, yo, it's Magnum. Yeah. You know, it's, his it's his last name could the have the been like,
2: D- lazinski or something. <laughs> totally. and then, you know, it opens but up our world. A, yeah, yeah. It opens up your world yeah. a lot. Yeah. Man, I think you'd be I think you'd be a really great Magnum. But isn't it funny how the the uh action hero guys from like the 70s and the 80s to yeah. now? Yeah. I mean with like with like Conan the Barbarian aside, yeah. like the action heroes of the 80s and the 70s weren't always like super ripped dudes. Like they were dudes who could get their asses kicked sometimes. Yeah. But now I feel like our action heroes need to be, like, unstoppable, you know? Well,
1: I think we know a lot about diet and nutrition now that we didn't before, <laughs> but back in the day, it was like, you were either, you were on roids or you weren't. Right. And there was a real line of demarcation between the two. <laughs> you know, it was like, the dudes in the 80s were, you know, it was America, fuck yeah, you yeah. know, like, like yeah, feel good, oh, 50 cal from the hip, bro, you know, like, <laughs> Double bicep, like it was that, and and I think that, but I think that was also, and like, I mean, if you want to get into the whole psychological part of this, it, it was it was an answer to like like feminism. You know, there was feminism, then it was like, well, guys, like we've got to like be the ultra super giant huge version of a guy, like right. the craziest version of a guy. Right. And I think also like kind of the America coming out of. Say, you know, the Vietnam era with all the protests, it was like, let's be proud again. Right. In the form of a giant roided monster (laughs) with a machine (laughs) gun, like, destroying half the world. You know, it was like there was a lot going on, I think, socially. (laughs) like That was why wrestling took off in the 80s with those guys. It was like, you know, and I think a lot of kids thought, I can do that. Naturally. (laughs) I can become a gladiator. Naturally. Naturally. And you're like, well, you know, and and I say naturally, like, I mean, and I don't want to pass judgment because, like, God forbid, like, if I was, you know, an Olympic athlete or a professional athlete or a professional bodybuilder, for sure I would have gone down that route. Sure. You know, I mean, if I'm going to compete, I want to win. Right. Right. I want a chance at winning. So, like, I'm not mad at at all of that, you know. I'm just saying it's – there is a difference between – the Tom Selleck or Jeff Goldblum in the fly physique. Yeah,
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: Versus, you know, Dolph Lundgren in Rocky IV. Right, right, right. You know Or Arnold, who's one of my best friends. Like, you know, or or Stallone, like, post-Rocky one. And it is possible, I know, because I talk to my trainer
2: about it all the time, where we just sort of joke, like, you know, because there's that idea, and it's on all the men's health magazines, like, get rock-hard abs, get a six-pack. And it's like, okay, you can do that Naturally, but but why?
1: Like, what do you like? To, and, you're, like you're asking me why? No, because well, nah, I've never touched a steroid in my life, right? So, no. but I mean, I I think I competed for like a like you know. I'm just saying, for like for
2: for most people who are just going to the gym, like why yeah. do you need that? To feel, because like you should work out to feel good, like yeah. and as a byproduct, your body should look fine as a, as a byproduct of that. But it really should be about health and, and feeling good first. But to get those like shredded abs is a lot of fucking work, yeah. And it's so much, and it's
1: it's mostly diet to get down to that as well. Yeah, I mean, as far as abs go, you could not do crunches and get abs if you were a college track runner, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're doing that, I mean, there's there's not there's not so much that you can do to to like rip your abs on. I mean, you can make them bigger with exercise. But what do you but- think our cultural <laughs>
2: obsession with that is? Do you think it's just because abs- people think they need to see the result? Because uh, I feel like it's not a, it's not promoting
1: fitness as a as as a feeling and a, and no, a health I mean, guide. that stuff's like masochism. Yeah, but it's like, do you like? being masochistic or not i mean i don't know i like going to bed at night knowing that i did something to make myself better during the day right like i just like that yeah but you know with that said would i be happy in a hammock somewhere with a stack of books <laughs> like 100 <100%. laughs> percent. come back and pick me up a year later right you know like i'm fine with that yeah um but like i think for me i grew up watching those movies i grew up reading those comic books i grew up wanting somewhere in my mind to which is probably why i like dungeons and dragons so much when i was a kid was that i could assume this avatar of that thing that i wanted i wanted to like speak through or act through you know i mean i think that's that's really you know like i just saw i just went to the ready player one premiere and and that's the whole concept behind that is like you can go somewhere and be somebody else right be somebody that you can't necessarily be in life but after that movie, I turned to me and my wife and I were talking about it. And it was like I, I just spent 20 years of my life trying to become the avatar in real life.
2: <laughs> yeah. You when know I was what growing I mean? up, most D&D players couldn't actually be barbarians.
1: But that was like my goal was like to take this like skinny Coke bottle glasses kid and someday look in the mirror and see that thing. So so you could say, well, yeah, it's it's work and it's – you know, Or I would say, oh, well, it's, it's partially masochism. But there's a goal. And, and, and in some way, it's like it's sculpting. It's sculpting. And then on an external level, but then on an internal level, it was like the drama school and, and the roles that I chose and some of the things that I've I've pursued now were all to try to get into position to – like I had dinner with Steven Spielberg.
2: What? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And we were at this charity just, event. Uh, we
1: just picked that name up there. Yeah, yeah, That's a sorry, good one. That's a, a good say. one. But we were – we were talking, um, and, 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 and one of the things I just, you know, I said, after a few minutes of kind of feeling it out, feeling the situation, yeah. I just was like, look, you know, I got into the business that I'm in and became an actor because of Indiana Jones. Like, that was why. And it, and it wasn't that I wanted to be an actor who played that character. Like, I wanted to be that guy. You know, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. And there's something about that, that, you know, being able to be lost in that, those roles or those parts like you get to actually go out and be that which to me was as that kid who was kind of bored with reality you know i i, I built myself into something that could maybe be that did that, he have an character. answer to that and he just was like oh that's amazing oh that's so great he goes you would have loved it yesterday we were in a room with me and harrison and all the writers and we were trying to crack the next story and you're like yeah i would have loved that like oh god <laughs> You know, but, and I'm. I hope I'm not like speaking out of school. But he said, um, you know, the real challenge is, and I think this is well. This will this will come out as a compliment, but you know, he was saying the real challenge with it is that, you know, he made indie back in what was indie one eighty mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So Raiders was eighty one. Think of everything that came after that that was derivative of it.
2: Oh, of course, they,
1: everything, every, every video game.
2: Yes, there were all these TV shows like. Tales of the Golden Monkey and all of these. National cr- treasure. Yes. I
1: mean, it goes on and on. I mean, you look at like the Uncharted franchise, which is a like, complete homage to Indiana Jones. And I mean, you just go on and on and on and on. Anytime somebody's looking for treasure, like, <laughs> you're kind of, you know, it's Romancing it, it, the stone. Yeah, exactly. So um, so he's his he was saying that like the trick is However, many years later, coming up with something that isn't derivative of all the things that were derivative of the thing that I made—that's exactly right. That's and, exactly right. And I thought, geez, you know that—that that is tough. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked
2: about that with when you know when Jonah started working on Mystery Science Theater. Mm-hmm. That was part of the thing too. Was so many things were derivative of MST. That going back, like a young generation might right. go, oh, I've already seen that with Like, yeah, but this is this is the thing that made that thing. This is yeah. the thing that it is derived from. So it it is. I guess that is sort of a, more of a blessing than a curse, but also I guess more of a challenge. Like a challenge. Yeah. How do you how do you sort of how do you make Magnum Pi accessible to
1: the modern? <laughs> I don't know. No, I- Magnum Pi <laughs> has to go find the Shankara stones. <laughs> yeah, well, do you remember the Magnum Pi episode? There were two, actually. Well, there was one where, do you remember the Treading Water episode? No. It was a brilliant episode of television. It was Magnum Treading Water trying to break his personal record for Treading Water as his, we went into flashbacks of his life and like things that led up to, or all had to do with I'm going to watch it tonight. It was like a really like amazing like setup. Like to me, that's like, that's like one of those crown jewels of TV. Like that 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 treading water episode, but do you remember the Magnum PI episode where there was a sea monster at the end? Kinda, you waited to the end of the credits, like a sea monster like raised its head out of the water. And what was that about? I don't know. Did they I, ever reference it again? But it was like no, and I don't remember any other
2: episodes getting supernatural. So it was just one. Maybe it was just one little wink to the audience. You know, now that you're saying this, I guess I I feel like I did watch a lot of Magnum, but there were a lot of episodes of
1: Magnum PI. Oh yeah, but but you know when you go back, it's weird because it's like oh there were. There were only three seasons of those old shows, right. but they would like shoot sixty three episodes. Oh, it was, it, like, it was like it was always in production. It was like a sweatshop. Yeah, yeah. I can't
2: <laughs> Things have changed a lot now, but yeah, because I've been watching a lot of um, the first season of Incredible Hulk, oh, um, which is which I really do love. I mean, again, it is the saddest superhero show that was ever shot.
1: But uh, yeah, but I there's something about that melancholy about that. This, but, but well, it's, that, the, but, it's a Greek hero's journey. He's like he he yeah. can't he's he he can't
2: ever f- settle. He's he's on a quest for something greater than himself, and you know he's and it, it's so sad and so I I mean as hokey as a lot of the '70s shit is in it, it's pretty great.
1: Yeah, but I love going back to the '70s, and I reference the '70s stuff constantly, like when I'm out pitching or talking about projects, like. You know, like the like kung fu. Mm-hmm. You know, the wandering hero. Yeah, and 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 I and I talk about uh, the old Incredible Hulk episodes a lot. Um, have you read like the, the Witcher novels? No, y- you might like them. They're uh, these Polish fantasy novels about this kind of like this wandering. This wandering guy, who's um, he, wanders from town to town and village to village, freeing them of the 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 evil reign of like a monster or a curse, or he breaks spells. And it's it's written. It was Polish, so it's has this like Eastern European sort of like fables sort of feel to it. But it's that same thing. It's the wandering hero. You know, it's this guy who wanders from town to town. There's an overarching uh, storyline, but then he moves from town to town, kind of breaking. Like these little short stories in between. Yeah, because well, I guess, and I guess that's which we can do now in TV with long form narrative. Oh yeah, because you know the effects are so good now that we can do a long form storytelling where like we couldn't necessarily do that before. It had to be a movie, right, in order to get those effects and get them. You know the. Button. So do you think the Magnum thing is a movie, or do you think it's like a limited run series? Well, I think CBS is doing it. Aren't they? They're doing another Magnum
2: now. They are. Yeah.
0: Now, like, is
2: oh, is it happening now? I think so. Wait, maybe you're right. This sounds familiar all of a sudden. Is it on? It says they just cast Jake Hernandez and some other people. So they're casting it now.
0: I mean, that's February 2018, so they can't be filming. But
2: it's not to
1: say that Michael Bay women want to do this with us. Joe, wait. Yes.
2: If maybe this weekend we just shoot it, (laughs) shoot the movie and put it out next weekend to scoop them on that. Could they, I guess legally they could stop us, but
1: I don't. Um, I, I'm totally into it uh, But but, uh, but I'm going to have to push my D&D group back By a couple hours What if you're like Oh I can't do that I, I really have a <laughs> I have my regular game You know
2: that's the problem With being in a and d group Is that you're in a band yeah. And you have a very strong commitment To that band Because yep. if one person doesn't show up it's you, Everyone Throws everything gets, off everyone And then gets,
1: that guy gets to level up But he didn't really have to contribute Right and it just, it's, it's not cont- fair in terms of It's
2: just not fair yeah. And do you ever Do you still think about The, the uh, Macho Man Randy Savage movie That we talked about years kidding? ago like
1: every day bro <laughs> every day no i i follow many old school wrestling uh instagram sites that send you like you know pics of the wrestling picks of the 80s or like the federation years and and uh and i'm always liking like every single macho i'm a, I'm a sucker and i watch every single interview god and i can't believe
2: no one I, there must be some kind of a Macho Man script out there somewhere.
1: Somebody? Or some type of... With the popularity of Andre the Giant's getting a documentary over at HBO. That, that
2: I mean, it's just wrestling is so much a part of our culture now that I, I just find it hard to believe that someone isn't trying to... Maybe it's just because of the IP that's involved or maybe it's tricky yeah. of finding the person to do it in the right way. Yeah, but
1: I'll tell you what, though. A few years ago, I actually pitched a wrestling series about 1983... Um, there was in the Oklahoma Territory, back when it was broken into territories before, the New York Territory, led by Vince McMahon, mm-hmm. when well, Vince McMahon Sr. took over and started poaching all the talent and crushed all the, the competition. There was this amazing story about these this family, this wrestling family in Oklahoma. And I loved this script. It was brilliant. And me and uh, John Watts, who uh, directed Spider-Man, the yep. new Spider-Man, um, we took it out. He was going to direct. I was going to play the lead. Like we had a great showrunner, uh, this guy from Burn Notice, um, Alfredo Barrios. He came over. He was going to run the show for us, and and we had these great scripts, and 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 everyone was scared of wrestling, or it was super polarizing. Where you'd have somebody in the room at some giant, you know, cable network who was like, "I love this. This is incredible," and then the person next to them saying, "Wrestling's too base for our audience, and it's not." What I'm telling you, it was it was brutal, and. What you should up, at least be smart <laughs> enough to recognize what a phenomenon it is and a community. Absolutely. And we were – and I and I know enough of those wrestlers from working with all those guys over the years and hanging out with them and going – I went on tour with like Raw for like a minute. Like, you know, like I know all those guys. And they were – all of them said to me separately, like, we'll tell you where all the bodies are buried. <gasps> like, we will tell you everything that went on. Like, which is like murder – I mean, it's like mafia level murder and shit that went on in some of these. some of these – some of these like especially like the old territories back in the day um and and we had this great rich world but nobody wanted to do it and then um i guess you know on the the heels of Orange is the new black like they bought netflix bought glow and then there were like three other wrestling projects like two years later like two years after we pitched and everyone said no right um there were like three projects that got bought but they've never been set up so it was like a weird thing Where it was like We were, we were ahead Sometimes you're ahead Sometimes you, you have that gut feeling You know this is going to work But we were ahead of the curve But hmm. It's not to say that it couldn't happen now though
2: well, But
1: it's kind of
2: mm. I don't think it's I, I, Listen I think it's a great idea You know And uh, maybe, maybe I just happen to have a, a pod deal at a network Where I could uh, <laughs> take, take it out with you somewhere maybe, maybe I just might happen to have that Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead serious. I, I've, you know, we I have a, I have a deal with AMC Studios, and so we can sell shows to AMC and any of the AMC. I've networks. heard of them, and if they don't, and if but if they pass on it, we can sell them anywhere. But we've sold like ten shows, and so it, like it, you, it, I feel like we should have this conversation. We should okay. have this conversation. Okay, when you know when we're. Like a, a after the podcast, so people don't have to listen to us drone on about it. But I, yeah. but I'm, de- but I definitely think that there's something there because it's just so identifiable. Uh, and that, and that period of that period yes. of time, and that you know, as long as as long as there is an IP that gets in the way, that, that you know, like if I don't, I don't know if you would have
1: WWE involved or if it if, if they're fictitious. Um, Either way, I mean, I mean, I'm friends with all of them over there. You know, I mean, it just depends, and, and I think it just depends on how how real can you get with what went on? Right. Because there were crazy stories. I mean, there was like a story of, there was a God, There was a guy who ran one of the territories, and I think he was blind, and he had like a driver. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, like somebody backstabbed him, and he got in this car and had his driver drive him over to this house. He was blind, and he was going to go shoot and kill this wrestler for, for like... Defecting and going to Holy another character. Shit. Like there's crazy stuff. There was like, you know, there was a plane crash where that had um it was a private jet. I was after a show. There were like heels and baby faces, you know, bad guys and good guys, mm-hmm. on the plane together and it went down. And the one lone baby face, the good guy, um broke his back, but um, they had to check him into a hospital under a different name or he checked under i think he checked under his real name so that people wouldn't know because mm-hmm. they knew him by his wrestling name checked in broken back um and checked himself out and wrestled that following weekend oh my god because they were paranoid that people were gonna find out that um good guys and bad guys were on the same plane together oh and they had to god. keep up the image that 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 keyfabe which was this is real, but now it's like
2: the, they've people have evolved enough to know like well that but that's just part of it and yeah. that's it, that it's a show and that it's entertainment and that but it's there's a lifestyle.
1: still like there's so, yes but there's still instances where like WrestleMania three Hogan body slammed Andre like the big classic pinnacle of like golden era WWF and supposedly I think Hulk tore both biceps and tore a lat picking up Andre. Oh my god! And like had to keep wrestling, <laughs> you know, like wrestled the rest of that match, but then wrestled that following week. It was just with two torn biceps and a torn lap. Oh it was god. just like okay, maybe not so great on the body as you get older. <laughs> yeah, maybe not yeah.
2: so maybe not so great. But there's the still body. a
1: lot of those really you know crazy stories. Like if you watch the Bret the Hitman Hard documentary, there's a lot of like kind of it seems like there was there were theories about what went on when. Brett lost his title in front of the Canadian audience. and I'm just going to do so, – I'm going to do a little
2: recon.
1: Anyway. I'm going to do a little recon.
2: The truth is out there. And just find out – because maybe it might be the kind of thing where – you know how sometimes networks can be where you go, oh, well, you know, they already did Glow and that's sort of the wrestling show right now, although I feel yeah. like that's different than what this is. Very, but, yeah, it's different. But, uh, but, you know, it might be worth – it might be worth um, just having a, having a conversation.
1: Savage. A Savage. Yeah.
2: I mean, I, I – if you if you put on the the shades and the do rag and the you, oh. and you got a spray tan, Dude. you could pull it off for sure. You absolutely I've could got, pull I've it off. I got
1: the moves. You get me a wig. We color in my beard. <laughs> I've, just, I've met the man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Hardwick. Yeah. <laughs> 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 People still ask me about that from when you were on the podcast years ago Dude, it was like, that was like a big sensation Like people come up to me all the time Like somebody asked me yesterday I was uh, like, you know, what do people recognize you most for? And it's like, well, you know, it depends on where I am But like when I was thinking about it, I'm like there's a lot of people that came up and talked to me about about that, being that, savage, that, yeah, and about that particular uh, podcast. With am I allowed to mention who you used to do um, podcasts with? Of course. Okay, I didn't know if there was. I didn't know what no. the situation was. No, it's all good. Oh, Okay, yeah, all right, everything's all good. Okay.
2: Who who Matt and Jonah were on that one? Yeah, they? we were on yeah. the old Nerdist podcast yeah. at Meltdown.
1: Yeah, that's right. Stairs at Meltdown.
2: R.I.P. Uh, which, is, which is going away in a couple days from the recording of this podcast. Um, it's very, it's very strange, but, uh, but I'm, I, I'm looking at another space to try to resurrect nerd Melt so that there is a comedy stage. Yeah, yeah. It's still like an experimental sort of, you know, nerd-themed comedy stage in Los Angeles. So I would say more to come on that tip, but I'm working on it. D&D tables? We could have D&D tables. Okay. That's what I loved about Meltdown is that, you know, there'd be D&D on one side and there's video games on another and podcasts upstairs and shows in the back. Like, that whole little clubhouse feel was the best.
1: It was the best, man.
2: Are you working on any kind of D&D, anything, like, entertainment-wise that you can so, talk
1: about? So what's interesting is I've, I'm actually helping write... Adventures, oh man, <laughs>
2: that's uh,
1: fantastic. I've I've been asked to 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 help um, write some adventures with them. So I've been back and forthing like mass, you know, like I just sent over like ten pages worth of stuff for that will most likely be included in an adventure that'll come out next year. Oh that's crazy. which is crazy. It's amazing. So I've 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 been flying around and and kind of like I, I also was brought in um, a, about a month ago to meet up with margaret weiss and tracy hickman who wrote the dragon lance novels mm-hmm. for anyone out there and um there's you know we were talking about plans for that world in the future fuck and uh this
2: makes me so happy i mean you could yeah. you could really help you could really help a new generation of people discover that i would love to you know we're doing my little um uh Comic Music Festival, mm-hmm. the ID10T Fest, we're yeah. doing in Orange County this year in November, and I feel like it'd be fun to basically just do like an hour long panel or two hours or something of just a D and D game. Uh-huh. Maybe, maybe we'll get, maybe I'll ask the critical role folks if they want to yeah. do it and have you sit in on it so people yeah. can just come watch like a live quick campaign. I think that'd be really fun.
1: That'd be great. <laughs> well, you know it's it, it's it's huge now, like and it's bigger than ever D and D and. I think a lot of the younger generation is is going back to analog, whether that's records or you know actual vinyl or, right. or playing D and d rather than playing a video game. There's something about that, that band element where you're all getting together and being social. Think of it as an IRL networked game. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: think of it as a think yeah. of it as an IRL LAN, mm-hmm. <laughs> where your local area network is another group of humans in front of you, yeah. who are yeah. who are creating with the theater of the mind and a couple of little painted figurines. Exactly,
1: it's 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 Warcraft, except it's infinite. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and there, there are no, literally, there are zero limitations whatsoever, and you're it's like you and your friends living inside of your favorite TV show. I just have to break out of my pattern
2: of... I mean, I love magic users. I think I'll Uh. always play magic users. But I always play these lawful good characters that... (laughs) I love following rules. Uh And so, like... But I feel like I should start playing against type to my personality. Like, I should play maybe a chaotic character maybe a more neutral character or something i don't know but like, but like, i'll always play magic users like a users.
1: psychotic murder hobo maybe a, a murder a wizard hobo a, mur- a murderous <laughs> i've started playing a lot of uh magic users lately um i just i like the spells i think it's fun um but like i'm critical role i played a big like evil paladin who just completely fucked over vox Machina. oh that's great well cuz my wife wa- you know my wife's been playing skyrim for
2: the last handful of months on oh, yeah. switch and um And I was explaining to her when she started playing, like, oh, you know, you probably want to go to the College of Winterhold and become the Archmage. And she was like, no, no, I don't really want to be a magic user. I like hand-to-hand combat. And I was like, really? She goes, yeah, I just like bashing people in the face. But I like... I like casting spells far away. I like, yep. you know, like yep. conjure up a couple thralls and have them like a couple like lightning thralls attack some fucking...
1: Fireball! Yes!
2: <laughs> <laughs> Magic missile! <laughs> like, I, that's, that's, that's my jam. But, uh, you know, listen, that's what's great about it is everyone kind of gets what they want out of it. Yeah, so.
1: I, like, I like tanking. I think I have a natural proclivity to like just kicking in door in and running in there and smashing things. So when I wound up playing a sorcerer, which I, I do have a sorcerer that I play a lot, I have to remind myself that's not your job. (laughs) That's somebody else's job. You have to let them go do it. Let them clear the path and you can cast. Yeah, but which works because a lot of times in my regular group, um, my trainer plays, who is the biggest fantasy nerd ever. I love it. Nerds have evolved so much. And he's a CrossFit champion. (sighs) He won the CrossFit games over 45 um, two years ago. And he's 6'2", 240 of, I mean, he he looks like a barbarian, like in real life. Yep. and he's read every single fantasy novel in the history of fantasy novels. He can bring up like the deepest cut you can find. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was all right. This this one was better. And that's that's great. It's just, great. It's so
2: you know the the proto nerds that I remember. We just didn't. We weren't that way. We weren't like that. It was so compartmentalized and segmented. And it was so binary in the sense of like you are either fully a nerd or you are fully not a nerd. Breakfast or you are Club, a jock. exactly.
1: Yeah. Breakfast Club was not that. But, it, but that's how the '80s were. It was Breakfast Club. It was you were this or you were that. You know, we had record stores with yeah. sections, and you didn't get caught in the punk section unless you had you know a safety pin through your knot. No, know, and, yeah, like you know, you got funny looks if you're in that section. Um, you know, like, there was Bookstores, like, you know, everything Was sectioned out I love that it's evolved to
2: that everyone is everything I really do love that now I yeah. mean, that, that makes me so happy because I feel like it, It just, it mixes up The soup a bit more And, you know, like for instance, if you are into a bunch of unique stuff and someone, you know, like someone else who's maybe not into fitness or all that stuff, but really like you guys come together on d d But then maybe that person says, hey, what can you tell me about fitness? And then you say, hey, what can you tell me about whatever thing you're into? Right. And then that's where you start sort of getting that interdisciplinary connection where – you know, people really are sharing. It, it's not just an echo chamber of everyone likes only this no, stuff. No, and
1: it never was like that, you know. And, and I think that if you, like, I mean, in my core, like, the core of my being is an artist. So I grew up, like, whatever was artistic and weird and cool, I'm into. Like, you have a gateway to weird and cool. Like, like tell me, where, do you, where did you get that book? Where did you get that weird thing, that weird T-shirt, that weird giant grizzly bear skeleton <laughs> in your living room Guilty. But <laughs> it's a cave bear it's forty thousand know, years old but i just I, I pursued that stuff and you know that wound up leading me into fantasy which then but you know aside from that i, I just wound up being an artist but it's it's everybody's vin diagram back to vin <laughs> back, back, back to vin the name groot uh you know it, it intersects somewhere you know, and I and and, and, and I, although I think that that's, it's great, and I think the message of The Breakfast Club is great, I, th- in a way, as an actor, I yearn for the 80s when everyone stayed in their lane because I think this idea that everybody is everything has destroyed the movie star. Oh,
2: what a crazy, cool, interesting take on that. That never occurred to me before.
1: Before, you used to know what you were going to get when you went to go see a... I mean a Tom Cruise movie. I mean, right. I guess, I guess we still know what we're going to get, you know. Right. But like you knew, like an Arnold movie, it was going to have cutting edge special effect, like the cutting edge special effects. Right. It was going to have X Y Z, and I love that. And then, boy, we're going to get Kindergarten Cop or Twins, which also oh, I love that me too. Before. But as soon as you start mixing up the genre or you take the music store away. And everything's just available, and it's all just a mashed up playlist. All of a sudden, it's like, I don't know what I'm getting. Right. And I'm not sure what, nobody's sure what they're going to get out of whoever. So it's, in, and I think, you know, there's indie and there's giant. And there's only so many giants you can do before you go crazy and have to do an indie to keep yourself sane. If you're, you know, if you're an artist, movie wise, right? Yeah, movie wise, just to be able to think you mean Indiana Jones. No, no, no. no. Yes, yeah. indie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. So movie wise, so I think in in terms of that, like, you know, you wind up it's either no box office or a ton of box office, and so you wind up losing that. That kind of that 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 credibility, or at least people saying, "I trust and understand what is going to be presented when this star does a movie." Right, and that's gone now. I mean, the only one who's really doing it is the Rock, which is, I guess, apropos of me being here because we're advertising <laughs> Rampage. Rampage, yeah. But you know, he's like the you know maybe the only real movie star that like you know what you're going to get when he when he steps out. Right, and and that's I think people like that, and they they know what that is, and therefore. He's the only movie store going right now, I think. And he, it's also, he also just
2: happens to be like funny and good at comedy and yeah. can do a lot of different stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that, that the, the lack of sections has kind of led to just kind of a mishmash of, of stuff. What else are you working on that you're excited about at the moment? Uh, well, you mean what can I talk about? Or yeah, what, 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 what is the what, studio set I can what, talk what can about?
2: You, what can you hint around? Hmm. Uh, Any
1: Deathstroke stuff or anything? Yeah, I knew where that's where we were. <laughs> just, uh, you don't have to. And I actually reached out to the studio and was like, "What can I talk about? And what can I talk about?" And what came back was, "I can actually read you the response." Let's, let's see the response. Let's read the response. Let's just go straight to. No one
2: could get. They the couldn't response. get mad at you for reading what they exactly told you to say. Exactly. There's nothing so wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Take a look. It is. Okay, great. I'm ready. Cool shout-out to Joe's Sub Pop uh, phone case, by the way.
1: Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, uh, Terminal C at uh, Seattle SeaTac Airport. No, of course. Of course. Yeah. That's in SeaTac. I do – and it's the only uh, Sub Pop store. And I, I do a lot of work with Dungeons & Dragons now, mm-hmm. like you know, consulting. Yeah. I'm a consultant for Dungeons & Dragons. I love this. Absolutely. Uh, and so I, I fly in and out of Seattle. Whenever I have extra time, I always go to the, the – that stuff store and just load up on old Nirvana and maybe consultants is a bad maybe maybe bard or <laughs> <laughs> minstrel <laughs> minstrel maybe
2: I don't
1: know. Okay, uh, here it is. Here is what I'm allowed to say about Deathstroke. <clears throat> I am excited to not only be a part of the DC universe, but to also be included in the creative vision of Deathstroke. <laughs> I've always been a fan of the character and can't wait for more of him on the big screen.
2: I mean... You know, listen, uh, comic book websites, just attach your spoiler warnings now, because yeah. that is... Try to
1: spin that one in a clickbait. That
2: is loaded <laughs> with information about the upcoming Deathstroke. I mean, it's it's all right there. Well, I don't know what more you would need. I mean, jeez, stop bothering me, people. <laughs> I said I said it all. Okay. I, mean, I don't even know... Listen, I don't want to... I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but I don't even know why anyone would need to see the movie now. That's a whole... That just lays everything out. I there mean, it's it all right there.
1: Yeah. Someone will... <laughs> we'll pull blood, uh, squeeze, squeeze blood something. out of that stone. I mean, your life I'm is sure. basically a fantasy novel at this point, like a like a like a like a Fabio cover novel.
2: I, I mean, like or like like a, a, a TSR, oh, like like, yeah. like a fantasy. I mean, you know, it's like you yeah. you you have you have this amazing career and this amazing spouse and this amazing uh, uh, rich world that you're so deep into all of the things that you love, and you know maybe. Maybe uh maybe some people could take some advice from you on how you realized all of these amazing dreams. I mean I'm gonna I also wanna maybe credit and I don't know how much you talk about it publicly, but sobriety is a thing which I think has been very probably yeah. helpful.
1: Yeah, and and um yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't have anything in my life today if it wasn't for that. Right. I mean that just it just wasn't gonna happen. You know, I was firmly planted in my own way mm-hmm. and needed to get out of the way. And that's, and also like, I just have all this time in the day and I have all this extra energy that I don't know where to put, that I have to put into things. And, and I think the other thing is like, you know, when you're drunk and there's a whole group of drunk people and you're having a great time and the next morning you wake up and you're like, oh my God, that was the greatest night of my life. That was hilarious. That was incredible. Now, if you could like, you know, Charles Dickens, ghost of Christmas, Past, like, go and be sober, like, (laughs) looking through the. What a bunch of assholes. (laughs) This is the lamest, (laughs) dumbest conversation ever. This is so boring. It's insane. So then you get sober and you're like, man, like, I was afraid that reality would be boring or that I wouldn't have, like, if I'm not swinging from the chandelier, it's not going to be fun. But Then it becomes a challenge when you first get sober of, like, what do I like to do? What do I honestly like to do? What do I honestly think is funny? Well, and even the deeper question is, who am I? Yes, completely. And a lot of it, to me, I'm more like I was when I was in my early teens Mm -hmm. as an adult than I was during, like, the decade or so where I was a maniac. Right. And, And not to say that there aren't hints of that in there, but of maniac Uh, (laughs) (laughs) just just ask my wife she'll tell you (laughs) Uh, no but but you know so I think there's a bridge back to that and and when I think back to the times I was really happiest or fulfilled doing work it was like I was I became such a great test taker at school so I didn't have to do my homework why so that I could build out my next adventure for that weekend (laughs) to, to DM or to Game Master you know and so well how can I do that as an adult Like, how can I do that as a job? How can I go to bed and wake up in the morning and just bounce out of bed? Like, because I just want to go create more in this sandbox that I get to play in. So for me, it's been about trying to track down or self-generate those types of projects so that I can play in that sandbox. And it and sounds like you're asking good questions there, which
2: provide good answers. And, and it's not to say, like, listen, you know, if you, if you go out with your friends and you, you know, you have a few drinks and you're laughing, it's not that that isn't fun. But if you're doing it all the time and that essentially becomes your job and your lifestyle, it's more about how those experiences when you're super drunk... Might seem fun because you're super drunk, but they're just not real. Like it's all it's no. all it's enhancement fluid that isn't
0: yeah. that doesn't
2: provide a real and any kind of real thing to grab onto. Yeah. And you will constantly try to pursue a greater and greater level of that high yeah. Yeah. until you, your life you're just hanging over an abyss because you you you've been reaching so hard for this thing. Yes. Rather than having real experiences and actually and actually growing as, a, as an emotional human
1: being. Sure. It's like, you know, I, my, the philosophy, like all the paradigms of my life changed, like in getting sober. Like, you know, I started acting because, like, I didn't really want to be me. You know, I, so I get to wear a mask and be somebody else. Right. And then when I wasn't on stage, I never really drank and got drunk when I was on stage. Like, I, I just, I had too much respect mm-hmm. for it that way. And I also got drunk and, and did Merchant of Venice, a show of Merchant of Venice once. <laughs> And it was like, this is a nightmare because there is some little blue haired lady who knows every, words to mer- every word to Merchant of Venice and, and I need to be on point. And it was like that show was so stressful that it was. And I also had to ride a motorcycle across this warehouse stage oh, in the Jesus. show. It was like a postmodern. I was like, you know, you're an idiot. Like, don't ever do that again. Like, I had too much respect. But what I was saying is that, like when I was acting, I had a mask on. And then when I wasn't, I was at the bar. Mm-hmm. So I never really had to deal with me. And for whatever reason, like, I don't know why I was running from that so much. You know, I guess there was a lot of judgment put on that. And so when I got sober, my work as an artist became about telling the truth rather than being a charlatan. That's a great point. And so there there was this wasteland of truth that I had to walk across in order to get to good work on the other side of of sobriety. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, knowing that there were, like some of the greatest performances of, of my life and my favorite performances and then bumping into those people and finding out that they were sober and really sober when they did the craziest thing I've ever seen on film. Mm-hmm. That helped me understand that there was going to be this oasis at the other end of the desert. Like I was, was going to get somewhere eventually. I just had to walk through this weird shift where I had to learn what the truth was. I had to figure out who I was. I had to drop the mask and I just had to be honest, like, in every moment. And that's really tricky and, 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 and raw. And I've gotten to the place now where I'm comfortable putting on the mask again, but telling truth through a mask. Right. So, you know, when something came around, like, you know, when I met with Ben Affleck about Batman, um, and, and he told me that the, the meeting we were having was for Deathstroke, I I mean, well, there's a literal mask, also, right, but but right, but, right. but but this is a real opportunity to figure out who this guy is on the inside, like what he's battling with, because you know the best quote unquote. I hate calling them this, but you know I I don't mind, but you know calling them a villain is 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 understanding where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. You know they're a villain to the people who are opposing them, but from the inside, this is a person who's struggling with all types of things, and 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 I think it's really interesting to tell that kind of a story and tell the truth emotionally of a, of a story like that. Um, when you're talking about a man who, you know, lost an eye, was betrayed, lost his son, you know, these different types of aspects. And, and then you couple that with real world military training. And then I started training it like a ninjutsu dojo mm-hmm. and started learning sword fighting and started learning and understanding where those techniques come from. And all of a sudden this thing starts writing itself. And, um, and now I'm what I love doing is in, in an instance like that, I'm able to, because I'm at the, at the ground level, I'm able to go back and pitch all of my work. So I'm pitching them. This is where I think he comes from. This is where I think he's going. This is the military background. These are some articles that I pulled for you. I also interviewed these people over here. The ninjutsu school, there are scrolls that are written that have these ancient techniques that are not shared with students. They're locked away because somebody's going to go into a bar and rip someone's head off using one of these techniques. What are those techniques? where are they could there theoretically be somebody that would go around and learn these insanely offensive techniques mm-hmm. and become this this like incredible killer but like i'm 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 rooting it in the world and rooting it in something honest so it feels real and then we're talking about the emotional content and you know so somewhere along that way i know that it was announced where you know the the studio um there was talks with you know Gareth Evans and, and and talks about an origin movie. I'm not I'm not giving news. This was in the right. you know but um, you know I, I spent six months prior to all of those phone calls writing um, a backstory that was turned into 16 pages, which was turned into which I turned into a treatment, which then led to my Skype call with Gareth. Oh, that's great. So it's but it's like I get to play in that sandbox now, like as an adult. I get to go back to what I did as a kid with, like, tabletop role-playing games before I knew that was a job. There was something in me that was attracted to that type of gaming, that type of world-building, that type of storytelling, that type of character development before I knew, oh, wait, I can do this for a living. Now that I'm an adult and I'm in the position that I'm in, it's like all I want to do is go find that next sandbox to play in and dig something out so yeah it was like meeting with Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman for Dragonlance like I want to pull that thing open you know writing stuff with Dungeons and Dragons writing adventures co-writing helping them co-write adventures for for the next books it's what I'm all about and and then as a hobby on the weekends you know I get to go play the games with my friends who are you know, all actors and SNL people and, you know, directors and, you know, so it's, it's just we all get together and just make stories in our free time for fun.
2: Well, and, you know, so a couple, a couple things in there, which, number one, this is a little bit of a counter argument to the, you know, it was great in the 80s when everyone was one thing. In reference to your villain thing, which I absolutely agree with. You know, in the 80s, we had villains like, you know, Joss Ackland's character in Lethal Weapon, where it's just like, you know, diplomatic immunity. You know, yeah. it's like. You, well, you use the, the, the Alan Rickman
1: model. Yeah, like, the Alan Rickman model. If you're, you're slightly just... Eastern European yes. or German. You're a villain. You're bad. You're a very bad person. Shoot. Shoot. The glass. <laughs> Yippee <Yippie-ki-yay,
2: laughs> motherfucker.
1: My name is Clay.
2: <laughs> Bill Clay. <laughs> Mr. Potter, you need to focus <laughs> totally. on your potions. Yeah, but yeah. but but this idea that <laughs> but this idea of what you're talking about about a villain, if you can make an audience ask the question, well, fuck, if I was in that position, it's like I think right. that's why Killmonger was such a great villain in Black Panther, I mean mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say he was a villain. He was just a guy that got fucked over by his environment and the system that he was in, yeah. and that's that's how he expressed that. So you can't you you watch that you go. Well, gosh! If I was in that situation, I can't
1: say that I. I mean, like that's a completely plausible path to have taken. Completely, and when it makes sense that way, now you have an immovable object and an unstoppable force, and you understand where they're coming from. And now, okay, great. Like let's, you know. And and I think the go-to for me was always um, Ed Harris's character in The Rock. Mm-hmm. It's like he was backstabbed by the government. And so there was this, like, broken heart, basically, over um, this loss of patriotism and idealism that he had in the government that he worked for. And so now he was going to demand that reparations be made or he was going to blow up San Francisco. Absolutely. You know? and, but you understand, like, okay, I get it. I get it. He needs to be stopped. Because he's going to blow up half the... But ultimately, he just
2: wants respect. Like, he just wants to be taken care of.
1: And he wants the memory. You know, and 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 I think, like, even, um, you know, Tommy Lee Jones is similar in uh, Under Siege. Mm-hmm. That was a great villain. But in the 90s, you, you, it sort of... It started shifting a little bit into... And, and you got those kind of... Um, you got villains uh, that, that you could actually understand. Right. Um their motives, and I think like Gary Oldman. I mean, I'm so happy Gary Oldman just won that Oscar. Um, uh, you know, him as Beethoven, you know, or even him as Dracula, mm-hmm. like you got it, like you kind of understood, like, you get out of here, man, let her <laughs> let, let him have her, you know, like <laughs> he's crossed oceans of time come on, to man. be with her, come on, man, yeah. So, um, and and those are the ones I really responded to, other than Darth Vader, who was just so ultimately badass. But even in the ending, you, under, you could understand that this was a tragic figure. Well,
2: also, there are certain villains that we are able to put that aside because there's some supernatural force at work or or, or, or some type of
1: technological force at work. So yeah.
2: you know obviously Darth Vader gave in to the dark side, which was basically all those
1: parts Which I'm still not quite clear on how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how you follow the yeah. the stories. I think we could well, whatever, I don't want to say anything, but I, I think we could do that story. We could get in depth. You you, you think that. what do you mean? We could do it again.
2: You want to do it again? Yeah. Do you want to get? Do you want to get Anakin to Vader? In, yeah. In a different in a different way. Kind of. How would you get
1: Anakin to Vader? Why wow, that's a long conversation. Uh, but I think I could. A podcast, man. But we listen, man. Time. I mean, if I was allowed to play in that sandbox, I bet you I could. I, I could. You know. I I think there's, even if you're looking at the prequels and you're holding them as canon, I still think there are places where you could insert a story about that. Well,
2: the dark side is basically just, and you know what, just fucking whips around so beautifully to sobriety talk. The dark side is essentially just giving into your ego. It's essentially letting your ego take over, right? Because it's all about power and it's all about control and it's all about you know going down that yeah. dark path and, yeah. and the, control and operating on control- fear. Yes, exactly. And all though and all of those are what you know, like the, essentially undealt e- with childhood issues. Yes, it's it's all it's all ego stuff, and the ego is the path to you know to. Essentially, uh, trying to light up your son with lightning shooting from your hands, while a creepy old guy watches. <laughs> when you put it that way, <laughs> yes, that's yes, scary. yes, light him up. You know, I mean, it's uh, that's that's how that happens. But but you I you think- want this, don't you? <laughs>
1: Take it. Strike me down. <laughs> oh no! Was I being a bad boy? Like, there is uh, some amazing, amazing. Li- oh, so I got to hang out with Mark Hamill. Sorry, I didn't mean to digress, but but um, I was is, just, I was just about to go into like funny Star Wars deliveries of know, lines, like like Yoda. He's like, oh yeah. Like I forget what what is I forget the uh, the lead up line, but it's like, not ready for the burden, were you? <laughs> and then and then the response is, I'm sorry. Right. I remember. I mean, he, you know, the great thing about
2: Mark is that he is like a nerd's nerd.
1: Oh, man. I met him on the red carpet for this last Star Wars premiere. And I, I geeked out so hard. I just was, I I mean, my wife was like, she kind of afterwards was like, you know, did you really, did you think you went a little hard? (laughs) You know, you went a little, (laughs) like, but it was like, dude, it was like. When I was a kid, you were everything. You were everything. You were my entire life. You were entire my whole neighborhood's entire life. Can I ask you an honest question?
2: And be honest. Okay. Have you ever, maybe, allowed Sophia to go out in front of you (laughs) first? So that people that you idolize see her and go, "Oh my God, you're great!" And they're like, "Hi, I'm her husband." Yeah, uh, that
1: that that could work. That that could, but 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 like, I have to I have to tell Steven Spielberg, like I've got to talk to him about Indy. No, I know you I've do ultimately, to to but yeah. have, But
2: have you ever? Just have you to, ever to kind allowed... of smooth it over, yes, or just exactly. like like
1: a buffer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, are so we like hey, and you're like hey. Um, you know, I think about it because I think about. You know, they're, 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 you know, because people have to, people make those approaches to me. Right. You know, and, and so I think about where they're coming from and what, what that's like for them. And yeah. I think about like what I really enjoy. And then I just try to bring that to, right, you know, the person, right. you know, like if someone comes up to me and says, Hey man, like I really loved you in this. I thought this was great. I loved you on the Nerdist podcast. Like when do we make a savage? I like- know that's what they, yes. all right, bro. High five, you know? <laughs> Um, when I get things like, bro, bro, my girl's gonna kill me if I don't get a picture. Yeah. It's like, whoa your girl isn't here and she's not going to be in the picture <laughs> to be honest the picture's going to be me and you bro <laughs> that's what's going in the frame
2: so bro my girl would kill me if I didn't grab your balls bro Bro, can I just grab your balls <laughs> hey, totally. bro my girl would kill me bro bro could you bro. just teabag me right bro, now my right girl here. would kill me if you didn't teabag my my bridge the bridge of my nose bro bro come she on she'd kill me bro yeah. uh okay well, but I don't know
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean are you I do sure know who this? I am bro
2: she would kill me <laughs> bro, bro she'd kill me bro I don't watch nothing but bro do my girl a- would kill me if if I didn't put my finger in your butt, bro, that's all, bro, bro, for
1: my girl, bro, bro. bro just for my girl, bro. Bro, come on, yeah. bro. Just, you know, like, I'm, I'm just, yeah. Uh, it, it, so it's, But it always comes from from that from that angle, um, which is like, you can just say that you like something I was in. It's cool. You yeah, know who I yeah, am. Yeah, you yeah, saw yeah. that thing. Yeah. Don't be shy. I yeah. was in that thing yeah. that you're embarrassed to talk about. Well, I think about.
2: when people, like, the more... You know, uh, the the more and more people get a sense of this side of you, I think the more people are going to know, like, oh, Joe's cool. I can go up to him and just be honest. And yeah, say, I just like, want to you know, talk. Yeah.
1: You know, I just want to talk about stuff. Or, you know, if you think something was cool, like, that's that's very funny. He flattering. might
2: look like a guy who bullied me in grade school, but he's not that guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. He might look grade. like Flash Thompson, but he's not <laughs> but Flash I'm, Thompson. I'm not Flash Thompson. I just play him in, just a, in a, uh, in a him movie. just played him in one movie. Yeah, and and it's it's so, like, you know, I think about that, and I just think, well, just be honest and just tell somebody you really, really love their work and it really meant something to you as an artist, and, and that's it, you know, and then we're out. Yeah. And and, and, and and if you're honest and you're passionate, like, you know, it's the old true romance thing. It's like, you know, you think I was, you think he thinks I was kissing his ass? No, man, you know, I think you're being honest, <laughs> you know, or whatever Elvis says in the bathroom with Clarence, you know, Um uh, and so um, you know, because otherwise it's like, bro, my my, my girl's gonna shit. you know, yeah. Which it's like, okay, do you want to talk to me about your girlfriend shitting her pants? Like, she's got a problem, bro. Yeah, like, yeah. bro. Yeah. Like she better not have uh, white pants on when I get home with that. <laughs> you know, she better have the plastic sheet on the couch when I get home, bro. Uh, <laughs> it's like, no, man. Just say you liked whatever. You know, it's cool.
2: Well, I, I also I also think just sort of wrapping up that part of the conversation that for anyone who uh, is feels like maybe they are interested in exploring sobriety or, or, or if oh, they yeah. are sober and they want to continue to, to live that life. Think about it this way. You are predisposed, if you have that in you... To make a lot of things happen in your life that are positive because you have an unnatural ability to focus on things
1: totally <laughs> and totally so you
2: can you can you can take that energy to and you should understand try to understand why you 're obsessive, but you know you you can use that energy for good
1: uh, absolutely which I see it, which I do see a lot of people yeah like. there are such positive applications for that um, and not doing something till it hurts, you know, but like I can focus in a weird way i Um, um, there are like these weird sort of like X-Men powers if you can get on top of the whole sobriety thing. And, and if you, you know, people think, oh, I'm never going to laugh again. It's like, I started doing like nothing but sitcom right after I got sober. I did sitcom for years. I think there's a natural like proclivity to being, um, uh, I, I think I think making these things that were not funny before funny. Right. You know, there's stuff that you can talk to with another sober person. Like your best LSD story is. I mean, that's that's comedy gold. But bring that up at the water cooler at work. Right. Not going to go over so well, maybe not, yeah, maybe you shouldn't come over to my house, <laughs> maybe I don't want to <laughs> introduce you to my kids, you know, but there's there's it's it's things that weren't funny now they're funny, and I think that's at the heart of like most comedians, I think there's like a real there's a dark side of inside course. of that and and I think there's there's a want to laugh and and there's a want to like I said, like be honestly happy, and what does that mean, and honestly find things that you honestly laugh at find. Shows you honestly love watching And why And then, like I said, a lot of it goes back To the stuff I did when I was a kid It's like, I just want to do it as an adult With a budget And I, I've, I'm i on the same train And I highly recommend it It's
2: great, it's great when you get to work around Stuff that you love And, you you know, you just have to You know, sober person to sober person are You know, like, when you achieve all this stuff Are you good at you know, like how do you keep it maintained and how do you mm-hmm. not, you know, those times when, you know, you sort of get the the dark cloud that mm-hmm. forms from from this wonderful uh, dark gift that we have. Like how 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 do you, uh, <laughs> how, you know, how do you how do you clear that out or how do you how do you defocus on that? Well,
1: space? you know, there was an there was an old there was an, an old timer who I met when I first got sober who had Parkinson's really, really bad. And he would say things like, um, he'd say, you can either have Parkinson's with a bad attitude or Parkinson's with a good attitude. Right. And he would say things like, uh, I'm no longer surprised when somebody gets sober. I'm surprised when somebody newly sober gets a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would say things like, um, you know, people say to me all the time, you know, I got to get back to the basics. And I'd say to them, why the fuck did you leave the basics? <laughs> <laughs> and and that I, I carry that with me because, like, why why would I leave the basics? Why would I leave something that works? Right. And to think that I am above footwork or, you know, look, man, you know, getting sober, you can't just, you know, the only way to coast is downhill. You know, it's like people say, like, oh, can you just maintain in the gym now? It's like, well, you're either going backwards or you're going forwards. And if you're taking your foot off the gas pedal, you're going backwards. So do you want to grow or do you want to regress. Right. And so what are you doing to grow? And, and so I have things that I do on a daily basis that, that I do, I have to do, because if I don't do them as somebody who has that dark voice in his head, I will revert back down the, the evolutionary chart sure i I, and it'll happen quickly within a couple of weeks i'll i'll start getting crispy and i get i get angry i get weird i wake up i i see things from a really dark perspective so you know i wake up i do tm i've done i've I've done transcendental meditation for the past 14 years oh that's great oh you have to give me some jonah's been doing it and he loves it 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 changed my life Fuck. it just changed it changed everything and um and everything from like my personality like anger that I was holding on to letting go of that to like when I'm editing a film I'm producing and I will oftentimes meditate and come out of it and understand what needs to be changed in in, in the assembly. So it's like weird. Like I get ideas, I get things like when I calm down and get quiet and it also helps me to control the mind, which when things happen, crazy things happen in life as they do, um, I can I can just deal with them in a really calm, rational manner. So there's that. There's uh, writing gratitude lists. A lot of times I wake up and I want to, like, burn down the planet. But I write a simple gratitude list. No matter how angry I am or how many things there are that are pissing me off, if I concentrate and focus on what I'm grateful for, you know, five minutes later, it's like it's a whole new world and nothing changed <laughs> <Just> <laughs> but in my yeah. brain, yeah. which, you know, yeah. My brain does need a brainwashing just every morning. You know, my wife gets up, she goes and makes her coffee. She's fine. She's totally normal. You know, somebody pisses her off or bothers her. or does something to hurt her. She'll say, Oh, that poor person. And I'm like, no, let's get in the car. Let's go over there. Let's burn that fucking guy's house down. I'm going to fucking drag him out in the street in front of his neighbors. You know, like, I'm like, no. You're ready, ready to go. I'm going like, to kill him. i going to she's did. like, no, that poor person. And, and so, like, she's just well adjusted. You know, I'm, and I'm glad, I mean, for me personally, like, that's, that combination worked for me. You know, being with a quote-unquote normie, right? The way that I am, because it's it's the you know it's uh, as good as it gets. You know, go so crazy somewhere else. Right. We're, we're all stocked up. here. Right, right, right. Like I'm crazy enough. I'm the crazy artist, weird guy, and she's she offsets that that really well. Yeah, my wife's the same way. She's so
2: she's so lucky that she just never drank. Or just never had any of that stuff. Never occurred to her. Just didn't occur to her. She just doesn't like it. You know, like,
1: wow, that's amazing. You know, I had something that felt wrong from the time I was young. You know, I just felt there was something in me that was like weird or wrong or dark. And when I started drinking, it was like, I'm going to do this all day, every day. I mean, it was literally, I try to explain it to my wife. I'm like, it would be like having massive cluster like headaches like like splitting headaches your whole life and then at 16 years old somebody hands you aspirin and says try that and I, like the first time in my life i don't have headaches mm-hmm. and it's like well, why am i why was i not taking this before why didn't somebody tell me about this before I'm going to take this every day now. Right. But then about 9 years later, <laughs> well cuz it then it moves from aspirin into like a lot of other things. Extra strength, a leave <laughs> in quotation marks, tylenol number 2. Yeah. And uh, before you know it, it stops working, and then you, the amount that, the amount of Tylenol you need to deal with that headache is astronomical and debilitating, and you can't get back to zero. And stunting, and it's limiting, and, and then you yeah. don't feel anything, anything, anything. No. And then you're just you're not like your your life is a mess, and you're you're so. F- far away from the man that you ever wanted to be dreamed of being the creative you ever wanted to be. There's all these things in life you want to do that you're not getting down to doing. And furthermore, you just, you haven't grown as a person since,
2: I mean, you're a because yeah, it numbs those negative emotions, but it literally numbs everything. It puts yeah. on blinders and it numbs you to reality. So you're not dealing with stuff. You're not, things are falling apart, but you don't realize it or give a shit. No. And, uh, and it just, uh, you're not,
1: you're not in control. Anymore. You're
2: not at all. You're not at all. Yeah. Um, that's all I would love to do you have like a like a TM app or a book or something for people who are well so, asking for
1: a friend so I learned from a guy who studied from the Maharishi and he came to LA and I went and learned and it's a four day like a four day seminar you go for an orientation first day and then they, they take you in a back room they close their eyes and then they give you your mantra like it comes to them and they give you your mantra and there's almost like a hundred mantras hmm and then for the next three days, you meditate in a group and talk about your experience and what's going on. Because it's it's interesting. Interesting things come to you. And it's about kind of like recognizing those thoughts, these things that come into your mind and understanding kind of the principles and the philosophy of what it's doing. Um, so it's like a four-day thing. So I learned from this guy. And then I wound up bumping into David Lynch at like the SiriusXM office in New York a few years ago. And I was like, hey, you know, I learned how to, you know, I, 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 I do TM and I learned from this guy and, and I named the guy. And David Lynch was like, no, he's a charlatan. No, he is changing the Maharishi teachings. No. And he turned to his, uh, his, his associate and said, give him our card. You're going to come learn from us. We're going to teach you the right way. I said, okay, okay all right, great, great. Great, David Lynch, you know, uh, big fan. (laughs) Um, Also, what is the ending of Lost Highway about? Anyway, we'll get to that. Yeah, is it Vertigo or is it not? And I had a panic attack at age five when I watched Elephant Man. Thanks for that. You know, no. Uh, um, And uh, no, I love David Lynch, and uh, so. So I called him up, and it was at the time I had just started dating this girl, and I said, "Oh, can I can I bring my girlfriend to learn also?" And they said, "Sure, bring her by." So they have um they have several locations. That girlfriend was Sophia, by the way. Oh, great, yeah. great, great. Uh, uh, but they have several locations in and around LA, and they have locations elsewhere. And um, if they can't help you, then they can help you figure out who can help you and where to get to, and who can come to you because. I mean, every major city in the world, there's 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 TM. So um, don't learn from a charlatan. Uh-huh. You know, contact the David Lynch. <laughs> call David Lynch. <laughs> call David Lynch. Uh, check it out. You know, go online um, and uh, and give him a call and, and set that up. And they also give scholarships as well because it does it does cost money to learn because somebody's teaching you something. Right. They're you know they're 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 lending you time. All that money goes back into the foundation, which um, just helps do good things. Around Great.
2: The well, planet. hook a brother up.
1: Yeah. Let's get you in there.
2: All right. I'll do I want to try it. I would love to try it. It's amazing. It. I think it would help. It helps. It, to quiet the chatter. People like us. People like us with a special, unique, dark
1: gift that we have. <laughs> with The dark passenger. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the dark passenger. Like Dexter. Oh, my God. Dexter. Yeah. The dark
1: passenger. I have a character in, in Dungeons & Dragons that actually found a, a dark passenger. Really? Yes. He attuned to this black orb that is, is now speaking into you know, to his brain. And is that ongoing, or did you make friends with the Orb? Or no, it's like, ongoing, and it might be a storyline that's going to come up somewhere in a graphic novel that I'm writing or in, in a D&D adventure. Son of a bitch. In canon.
2: Well, thank you for being a shiny example of uh, what nerds can become <laughs> across every level. Uh, and uh, I just adore you, Joe Manganiello. I'm so... Delighted that we became friends, yeah. and it is so wonderful to have you in my house. Thanks. And uh, and I just I give you all the hugs in the world.
1: And anything else you want to plug besides Rampage, which is coming out? Uh, well, I have this film that I produced and 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 starred in and, and did um, a lot of polishing. I don't know if you call it a co-write, mm-hmm. or, but it's, but even, it's like a, it's a pol- like a heavy polish. Like I rewrote you know wrote a lot of it and um, uh, that I shot this past fall. And I, uh, I cast Sophia in it, and she's great, great and uh, some great actors. You uh, made her audition, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, we'll talk, we'll talk, we'll talk to you later. She's like, great, agent. I'll do it. Woo. Well, hang on a second. <laughs> Slow down. You're going to meet with
2: our casting associate. They'll put you on tape. Yeah. If we like it, you'll do a producer session. We're going to
1: workshop this. Yeah. I've, you know, I've seen your work, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> I just need to make sure. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we're in editing for that. That'll come out at some point soon. And then we're um, looks like we're trying to close financing for like a John Hughes esque movie about 1987, the day that the Smiths broke up. Holy shit! Um, so if you know anybody out there who wants to jump in on this thing, we're we're getting ready to to, to close some financing, and and it's it's going to be it's amazing. We have a great cast put together.
2: You know, one of my best friends, <laughs> April Richardson, comedian extraordinaire, has seen The Smiths or Morrissey. Hundreds of like literally planned her own comedy tour. There was very it was it was very much like um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch style. Yeah. Like she yeah. planned her tour alongside his a couple years yeah. ago, and so why we, not? You you I, I just want to throw April into the into the mix on that because she knows more about that fucking. There are people that would give. Major body, you know, Tom Lennon's a big Smiths guy, too. Oh, yeah, Tom and I are buddies. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's in a Smiths
1: cover band. (laughs) All right, (laughs) No, 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 yeah, yeah. So, um, but for now, yeah, Rampage, and then you know, um. You can go back and quote my DCEU quote. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we give a lot of information about Deathstroke. Uh, um, but I also did talk about Deathstroke, too, I guess. I talked about kind of the creative process. A little bit, yeah. Little bit. It was enough.
2: There's only so much you could say. Yeah. You know what? It's fine. People should be surprised anyway. Yeah. Like, that's
1: part of the fun of going to see a movie. Like, yeah, they want spoilers, but they don't want spoilers. I don't want to say anything. You know, and I will say this. Every time I've always said, like... Hey, man, I don't know what's happening next. What they print is like, poor Joe. (laughs) Left out in the cold, clueless. Didn't you hear the tone of my voice? I was clearly being playful. Completely. I know everything. I've known everything. I know what's going on. Like, I just can't say any of it.
2: All right. Uh, And then go see Rampage. Is it April 6th? April thirteenth, Rampage is April thirteenth. Yeah. Joe is in Rampage. You should see that and support him across all platforms. Chris, I love you, man. I, love I miss you. Too. I, I like, miss you when I don't I, see. You. I miss you too. Let's let's hang out. We we went to dinner a, few, a couple few months, maybe almost a year ago now. Jeez. Like we had to do that again. Yeah. Which is, adulthood sometimes just sneaks up on you. All of a sudden, it's another fucking year has gone by. You're going to join
1: she's... my D&D home game.
2: I want to join your D&D home game Kay. after my uh, my my zombie RPG that I do on Sundays <laughs> wraps up. <laughs> and I, I will come do that for you. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, all right, enjoy your burrito, everyone. ID TNT scanning complete.
1: Enjoy your burrito.